From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. The rising number of COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations across North Texas as Thanksgiving approaches has county health officials sounding the alarm. And in the city of Dallas, it's not the only spike causing concern. Mayor Eric Johnson joins Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers this week after a public back and forth with the city's outgoing police chief about violent crime in Dallas this year. Then Bob Garrett of the Dallas Morning News discusses the allegations of bribery and abuse of office made against Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. The FBI is reportedly investigating. And later, Denton County Public Health Director Dr. Matt Richardson, after the county three times this week, set a record for the number of new COVID-19 cases. The city of Dallas has already seen more than 220 homicides this year, surpassing the number of killings in 2019 before we even reach Thanksgiving. The rise in violent crime comes as the city searches for a new police chief. Chief Renee Hall is slated to leave DPD at the end of the year. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson held a press conference Wednesday in which he said, quote, I want to see us stop politicizing issues and start solving issues, end quote. In an interview with NBC5 investigative reporter Scott Friedman, Hall said she thinks the mayor's attacks have become personal. It's always about the leadership in the police department. It's never about the work that's being done. Leadership meaning you. Yes. Here's Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson with Julian Gromer. Thanks so much for being here, Mayor. Of course, always a pleasure. Mayor, your reaction to what Chief Hall said to Scott Friedman? Well, look, here's the situation we're facing in Dallas right now. We have uh, violent crime in our city is spiking and spiking in a way that is alarming. It should be alarming to anyone uh, who cares deeply about um, our city's safety. And so um, our police chief's comments yesterday, I'm not focused on those. I'm focused on what we're going to do moving forward to address the spiking homicides in this city, the large number of unsolved homicides in this city, the spiking aggravated assaults in this city, and the fact that um, I hear every day from residents of the city who are afraid to go out at night, even for a, a Sunday drive because of the street racing that might result in them getting you know, um, broadsided by um, someone engaging in illegal activity. And of course, the, the innocent folks who are just being shot in our city and killed. And so um, I'm focused on the future and making sure we get this next police chief search right. Mayor, do you know why the spike in crime? I know it's something that that, you know, when you took office, you really didn't want it to, to get this out of control. Have you guys centered on why this is occurring at this time? Look, there's a lot of uh, theories out there, um, and there is talk, uh, you, you'll hear it about um, the impact of the pandemic uh, on the entire country, and, and crime is rising in a lot of places. But my concern is what is going on here in the city of Dallas, because our rise in violent crime pre dated the pandemic. We were on a bad trajectory before COVID-19. So I want us to think about and look into uh, what we can do to help our police department out. That's why I've, I've made a call to the community to get involved in trying to stomp out this violent crime. I want to see um, leaders in our community decry the violence that's taking too many young lives in this city. I think that Funding my task force on safe community recommendations was a great start, but now we need to implement them. Um, and so I'm going to be asking the city manager to report to me every single month the progress that we're making on implementing, increasing the lighting in our uh, areas of our city that need it. 
and improving blight, and of course, uh, implementing a violence interruption program and those types of things, we need to actually make progress on. But you know, it's gonna be an all hands on deck um, approach to this that we have to take. We have not been doing everything we can up to now. And I stand by everything I've said up to now about the need to really elevate this to the city's highest priority. So, so with the rising numbers, and, and along with the tension between you and Chief Hall, how do you think it, it, it affects your search for the next chief? There, look, I don't have any tension with our police chief who's outgoing. Chief Hall announced that she's resigning. She, she's going to be leaving the Dallas Police Department. My focus has been on what the next chief needs to do and what type of person we need in this next chief. I'm not looking back, I'm looking forward to a future where our violent crime is not leading the nation and where our numbers are starting to move in the right direction. And so I want the next chief to be someone who takes the violent crime in this city personally and someone who is committed to being held accountable for the results because that's all I'm looking for and that's all the people in this city are looking for. I was born and raised in this city. I'm raising my family in this city. I'm going to be in this city like um, all the folks that I hear from every day. This is my home. We care about results. We want to see people who have done horrible things, committed murders, who are running free right now as we speak, brought to justice. We want to see them arrested and apprehended. And we want to help our police department do that. And we need a chief who's going to take that, that task very personally and want to lean in on that and make sure we get the job done. Governor Abbott is sending in DPS resources, including officers and agents to assist. How much of a difference do you think that'll make? I hope it makes a big difference. The last time DPS was here, it made a significant difference. The difference this time, though, is um, at Chief Hall's request, they will not be participating in um, actual patrols. They will be helping with the back, um, sort of the behind the scenes investigations and helping us try to solve some of our uh, unsolved uh, crimes. But what I believe we need oh, generally is to support our police department and get more of our police into the community to help us deter crime. So I wanna help us supplement patrol any way we can. So I welcome the support of DPS, but I also welcome the support of any other law enforcement agencies. And I'm gonna encourage um, our police uh, leadership to look at forming partnerships with other law enforcement agencies to try to enhance the presence on the streets of our police and other law enforcement to discourage and deter some of these crimes. All right, Mayor, let's turn to the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, cases across the country are rising again, including in North Texas. Do you think Governor Abbott is doing enough uh, to control the pandemic? Well, here's what, I, here's what I do believe. I believe that the governor's been very clear about his feelings about additional lockdowns. And so we have to operate within the realm of what is possible. And what's possible is for us to make sure that everybody in Dallas understands that while it's not something that we enjoy saying, it is the truth. Unnecessary at-home gatherings is driving a large portion of the case growth, and we need to stop. We need to make sure everyone understands that what we can do, the most effective thing we can do to make sure that our hospital system doesn't become overrun with cases while we are coming short on medical workers and while we are running short and getting um, you know, tight on capacity is to stop creating new cases 
by engaging in unnecessary gatherings at home. And that means uh, for Thanksgiving, we really need folks to really um, avoid congregating with their extended family, if at all possible, to have only their nuclear family together for the holidays, get that flu shot, continue to maintain their distancing uh, practices and, and exercise safe hygiene and wearing a mask, of course. But those are things we're gonna have to do and stay very vigilant about over the next couple of months to get through this until this vaccine becomes um, widely available. And the time we have left turning to January, what does the city hope to get out of the upcoming legislative session? Well, I think, you know, first do no harm is gonna be uh, one of our mantras. We'd like to see the legislature uh, allow us to continue to make what decisions we are still allowed to make at the local level here at the local level. Um, so local control is gonna be a hallmark of our legislative agenda, but we're also gonna wanna make sure we get as much help as we can with workforce development. I understand the legislature is starting to take that issue very seriously and we could use some support and some help uh, with um, some initiatives here at the local level to make our workforce um, the best in the country. Mayor, that's, that's your old stomping ground, the legislature, will you miss it? I, I miss it, but I'm more, more satisfied than I've ever been with uh, what I'm doing with my life here, serving the people of Dallas directly. And so uh, I, I'm gonna miss those guys and miss session, but I, I really do love being the mayor of Dallas. It, it's, a, it's a great job. So you're gonna make an appearance on, on, the, on the House floor? for all time's sake during a session, maybe do some lobbying? If, if they'll allow anyone on the House floor, we're, I'm not even sure we're gonna have that's a real intro. That's a great yeah. point. We've, we've been so, through uh, that here too, yep. If there is a session, I suppose you might see me a time or two down there, but if not, I'll definitely be doing what I can uh, via Zoom and um, you know, remotely um, to, to help Dallas get what it needs. All right. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, thanks so much for being with us. Have a good Thanksgiving. You too, thank you so much. You can see Scott Friedman's full interview with Chief Hall on NBCDFW.com. The FBI is reportedly investigating allegations of bribery and abuse of office against the Texas Attorney General. Several former staff members of Ken Paxton are suing the AG for retaliation after they say he committed the offenses to help an Austin real estate developer. Paxton has denied any wrongdoing and says he is not stepping down. To talk more about this developing story, Dallas Morning News Austin Bureau Chief Bob Garrett. Bob, thanks so much for being with us. Great to be with you, Julie. Bob, first of all, what happens from here? You know, this is a trying time for Paxton. As you noted, he's being sued by his staff, investigated by the FBI for a possible bribery and abuse of office. He is uh, out there hanging. And uh, you know, when late September, when news of these seven whistleblower employees alleging wrongdoing on his part broke, we initially had top state Republican leaders expressing serious concern, but they've really gone quiet lately. So uh, if you have to wonder, do Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick uh, think it's okay for Ken Paxton to go on as the state's top lawyer? I don't know. We're gonna find out, I guess, in coming months. Bob, your team, Ali Morris, Lauren, Lauren McGahee, they've done great work on this story since it broke what do you think have been the most interesting or or the most uh explosive findings uh, that you and your team have uh, have produced well it's the team not me Cromer. Uh, you're the you're you're the bureau chief bob so <laughs> i'll take credit okay yeah. uh, i think the most interesting thing has been the allegation that paxton 
went to such great lengths appointing like a special prosecutor to try to find out wrongdoing by the FBI in a search warrant they executed against his friend and donor, Nate Paul, an Austin real estate developer. And all these other things he did during coronavirus uh, trouble, uh, public auctions and foreclosures. It was kind of amazing to see the extent to which Ken Paxton extended himself for this guy. Bob, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but we really haven't heard much lately from fellow Republicans on this issue. That's right, Julian. You have to wonder whether their silence means it's okay to have a, a, an attorney general. Let's go through the review here. He's He's got active indictments from years ago on securities fraud. He's got a retaliation lawsuit. He's got an, a, an FBI probe and an alleged extramarital affair. And yet, you know, from their silence, I guess you would think that they think he's still fit for office. But I guess we'll wait and see, uh, you know, next year's filing deadline, whether a, a Republican or certainly a Democrat steps up to challenge him. Now, Bob, he did win election and re-election under the securities fraud uh, indictment. And although I, I will say his, his re-election in 2018 was a close call, but where does he stand politically? Let's take it outside of a Republican leadership with the people of Texas. Where do you think he stands politically? Is he damaged or is he as strong as ever? Well, I think he's damaged goods for sure. You know, you're alluding to Justin Nelson, a, a little-known Democrat, right. came within about three and a half percentage points of knocking off Ken Paxton two years ago. That was at the same time that Greg Abbott was winning by 13 points and, and George P. Bush, who may run against uh, Paxton and Glenn Hagar, they had 10-point victories. Certainly Paxton's small victory margin showed that there are at least some Republicans who cannot hold their nose and vote for this guy. Having said that, he does have a lot of the Trump base and social conservatives uh, that have been loyal to him. We'll have to see, particularly with this extramarital affair allegation, whether that erodes some of that support. So far, um, the attorney general has said he is not stepping down. He's been very insistent on that. Yeah, and you know, uh, Julie, the, the whistleblowers that have been uh, going public about him, it's not like they're liberal Democrats. I mean, these are some of the most staunch conservative, social conservative lawyers in the state, and they uh, went to work for Ken Paxton because he was supposedly the, you know, the bedrock social conservative lawyer. And uh, so I think these are very damning allegations that so many of these lawyers have uh, gone public saying that he was completely out of bounds. Does it spill over into the Texas Senate, given that his wife, Angela Paxson, is, is a state senator from McKinney? I don't know, Grover. I think she has sort of a separate uh, political career. Uh, obviously, they had sort of a shared brand. So I don't know how that goes from here for her. I have a just a hunch that, you know, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and other Republican senators are going to be protective of her. Bob Garrett, Dallas Morning News, Austin Bureau Chief, thank you so much for being with us. Have a great Thanksgiving, Bob. And, Bob, get your rest because the session is right around the corner, my friend. I know it, Donald. Thank you. <laughs> NBC5 invited Attorney General Ken Paxton to join Lone Star Politics this week, but he declined. Read all of Bob Garrett's political coverage at DallasNews.com.
The Dallas Morning News is a media partner of NBC5. Like Dallas and Tarrant counties, Denton County is seeing record numbers of new COVID-19 cases, reaching a record high of 405 on Friday. Along with those numbers, the county is also seeing its hospitalizations go up, and at one point last week had just 10 remaining ICU beds in the county of about 900,000 people. The county's public health director, Dr. Matt Richardson, talks to Julian Gromer about the challenges facing his department going into the holidays, and in his words, a potential light at the end of the tunnel. Dr. Richardson, thanks so much for joining us today. You bet. Thank you for having me. I mean, it's this has been a really rough week. You've seen it all over. Denton County set a new record single cases twice this week. I mean, trying to get this under control, what's it been like? It's been like you've had the you've had a seat to the show. I mean, you're seeing it, I think, as community members, as family members, as friends. We're all going through this together, and it's hard. It's hard because we're seeing the increase in cases. We're seeing our hospitals fill up. Some of these people are our friends, families, neighbors. Um, it, this is hard. And we continue to try to be creative with the messaging about physical distancing and masking. And I'll tell you, as a public health leader and as a public health practitioner, I'm running out of ways, new and creative and innovative ways to say the same thing, right? You're talking about new and creative ways of saying the same thing. What kind of challenge do you have with Thanksgiving coming up? And you mentioned friends and family, the classic friends and family holiday. How do you get people to do the right thing? How do you indeed? Um, so we've tried to talk about messaging um, the pre-quarantine. So the last two weeks, I've tried to explain the idea of uh, quarantining in anticipation of getting together with families and friends. And I, I'll, I'll use my example. My parents are older. I'm immune compromised. My wife's immune compromised. I think um, these examples sort of bring it home that we've tried to be extra careful because I do want to see them. And I know they've been careful. But there are a lot of families that don't have that, that option. And one of the things we've tried to say is, Let's be merciful and let's give some grace to each other that you might have to miss, uh, you might have to miss Thanksgiving this year. Um, I saw a meme and it's terrible and it's flippant and it's true that a Zoom Thanksgiving is better than a ICU Christmas. And I think that's, you know, that's edgy and it's true that this idea of we're trying to protect those people we care about. If you do have a job if you have experiences that you have large gatherings that you can't avoid, you need to you need to spare some of your family members from that exposure. And then the flip side, if you're going to get together with family that are not being careful, you've got to objectively assess your health and the health of your immediate family and if that exposure is worth it. And that's that's a value judgment for every family. And I hate that that's what 2020 has brought brought for us, but that's what it is. The ICU occupancy in Denton County is at 82.7 as of last glance. I mean, how nerve wracking is that for you? It is. We had a Zoom meeting with hospital CEOs in Denton County um, an hour ago, and they're making contingency plans for staffing. Um, we've talked about, uh, obviously, the concerns of 
the lack of ICU beds. At one point this last week, we had as few as 10 ICU beds available in the county. And again, Denton County is just under a million people. We anticipate the census, you know, will be over 900,000. I know um, just under a million people in Denton County, 10 ICU beds for a million people, that's scary. So I don't know if, if you're aware, but um, in Denton County, the Denton County Republican Party this summer, amid, you know, after the first sort of round, if I can call it that, uh, voted to kind of censure the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, because of some of his policies uh, with COVID and, and, and shutdown orders and, and things like that. And there's been this sort of uh, anti-mask, you know, with some people, not everybody, uh, kind of liberty theme running through parts of the county. How have you been able to combat that? I've been very fortunate. The county judge and commissioners, um, they have been very supportive of our public health interventions. They haven't always agreed completely, and yet they've allowed us in public health to do our work, and we've enjoyed that support. And so um, I did make a recommendation to school districts to delay their opening. I made that recommendation. We as public health made that recommendation in July. We've talked about mask use, and we have our full support of our commissioner's court for those recommendations. And that's been really helpful. That's allowed us to do our job. Um, for the political parties, I, I do try to emphasize that, uh, and I'm not unique here, the virus is not red or blue. We're just doing the best we can with scientific recommendations. And I'm just thankful uh, in a season of Thanksgiving, I'm thankful that we've been allowed to pursue those interventions and recommendations. And I think Denton County has largely uh, adhered to those, but we can do more. The UNT Denton campus is preparing to be a distribution center for two vaccines, according to the DRC. I mean, how about that? Yeah, that we're really- Chronicle, wanna make sure they get their props there. Sure, we're really working hard with private providers. We've been in constant communication with the universities, the academic uh, health centers, because of their freezer space. Obviously one of these vaccines, the Moderna vaccine, is the ultra cold storage. That's a challenge. Um, the Pfizer vaccine, if they get their emergency use authorization today, um, that is not ultra cold storage, it is just freezer. And so that's a little more logistically uh, practical. The Moderna has some challenges. Both of those vaccines, highly effective. Um, over 70,000 study participants um, total for those two vaccines. Well, that's good news. I mean, we're, we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Now, as, as Gromer mentioned, one of the challenges is, I'm gonna go from talking about testing and the validity of the science behind face masks, I'm gonna have to transition quickly to the validity of the science behind immunization. So uh, I'll try not to beat my head against the wall. I'll try to look energized and uh, positive on this journey, but this is gonna be a challenge, is to convince people that a vaccine is very, very important to getting back to what all of us are going to consider normalcy. I tell you, Doc, and part of that normalcy is having a good meal in downtown Denton and listening to some nice jazz. You know what I mean? That Can't is exactly right. Uh, we all miss it. We all miss live music. Uh, we miss worship. You know, I'm, we all miss these facets of our lives that have changed in ways that were unimaginable. Yeah. And, and now we have some options. 
And one of the options is to pursue vigorously uh, this vaccination so that we can get to herd immunity. And, and the faster we can get to that ultimate destination, the faster you and I can share an adult beverage or we can share a hymnal or you know we can uh, share a sporting event. I don't know, I'm like everybody else. I haven't been to the new ballpark. I wanna go see a baseball game. I got, Definitely. I'm a college football fan. I have a kid in a high school band. Um, when we're talking about high school football, like we, we wanna do this thing, right? But we're not gonna be able to do it if we can't make ourselves wear a mask and if we can't make ourselves step back to people in line at Lowe's or Walmart, right? That is really good advice, Dr. Richardson, especially with Thanksgiving and Christmas and any all holidays around the corner, uh, no matter what you celebrate. So that's really good advice there. And we appreciate you joining us. And when you and Gromer go out, maybe y'all will invite me. It's oh, highly possible. We're going to probably, we're going to want to do it so bad, we'll invite anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. <laughs> yep. Y'all have a great day. Thanks we for having me. Thank you. Really Sounds like we'll be able to catch Julie Grummer and Dr. Richardson hanging out up on the square in Denton sometime in 2021. Thanks to Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, Bob Garrett, and Dr. Matt Richardson for joining us this week. Stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. Have a safe and happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week.